Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Haggai. 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 Chapter 2. <clears throat> it's good to be home. But we sang that song about home, and heaven is our ultimate home, right? And one day we're going to be there, and that's, that's the place where we're going to go like, wow, this is home, right? But for now, we have, you know, we have our homes that we live in, we have our church home here, and, and kind of that's what I want to talk about today is, is the home that we have, although we're, we're going to refer to the future things that God has planned as well. But they're kind of both, you know, in our, in our understanding, they're both kind of mixed up. But, but uh, let's, let's do a little review first. How many sections? Five sections in the Old Testament, right? What are the numbers again? So you can just read that. It's right there. 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. You know, numbers, uh, you know, uh, you, we used to be able to remember phone numbers and that. We don't, ha- we don't have to do that anymore. But I used to be able to remember numbers. Uh, but, you know, I was trying to think, you know, when I had my surgery, I was, I was thinking, how am I going to remember this date? Because I would forget. Like, what, you know, like, when was that? And it was 5-12-17. Isn't that interesting? 5-12, and you add those up, and you get 17. So I'll never forget. Why? Because of 5 12 5, 5 12. Uh, that's an interesting bit of trivia that you wish you didn't know, but now you do. First one is law, right? Five books of law. What's next? History. Twelve books of history. What's next? Poetry. One of my favorites. Five books. What, what's next after that? Major prophets. Minor prophets. Major key, minor key. Is that how that works? Yes? No? What's the difference between the major prophets and the minor prophets? Length of the books, that's all. Not, not, you know, not these are more important than the others. In fact, uh, you know, some of the stuff we're seeing, in the, even in this little book of Haggai, is uh, incredibly important in, in that. So a uh, little bit of review just to pick it up where we are. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, you know, talking about priorities and what's, What's most important, led by Zerubbabel, uh, 50,000 Jews returned to rebuild the house of God. Where were they? Where were they returning from? Babylon, right. And so they had been taken captive into Babylon, so that now 50,000 of them are moving back to the land of Israel to rebuild the house of God. They got started, and then they stopped for some 16 years. It wasn't 16 days, 16 weeks, 16 months, 16 years they stopped doing what they went back to do, right? And the deal is that they were busy doing other things. They were busy taking care of their own stuff. And God said to them through Haggai, give, give careful thought to your ways. What's, you know, what's most important? What did you come here to do? What is your priority in your life? Why are you procrastinating doing what you came here to do what is, was most important to you. You signed up for this, right? To come back and rebuild the temple. Matthew 6, 33. Anybody know what that says? Matthew 6, 33. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All the other stuff will, will fall into place. The things that we worry so much about, if we put him first, if we seek him first, he says, I'm going to take care of the rest of the stuff. But so often we get that backwards. We're all worried about the stuff, and God has you know, got no place in our lives. And we wonder why, you know, and we saw that in the book of Haggai, you know, nothing was seeming to work out. They were worried all about it, but it, nothing was satisfying. Nothing was coming together. They'd work and work. They'd put money in a purse and there would be holes in it and, you know, would just fall out because their priority wasn't on the Lord first. So it's got to be the Lord first if we're going to be followers of Jesus. So they got started. The, the leaders and the, the people, they responded. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They got started and they got to work. And then we get to Haggai chapter 2. And about a month after they got started again, God sends them this encouragement, really, to keep at it. You know, he says, be strong and work. He says to, to the people there that I'm with you. He says, my spirit is with you. And then he says, do not fear. Some, some, some of these are things that we all face. We get discouraged. But he says, be strong. i got strength for you. I'm going to give you my strength and work. And do what you need to do because I'm with you. My presence is with you. My spirit is with you. And don't let fear stop you. I mentioned fear uh, last time about that, that, you know, I, I get fearful too, you know. And I, I talked about, you know, what I was going to go do in, in, uh, at another church last Sunday and, and you know, but, but God was, was there, and God blessed, and God, uh, you know, it was just a, a great time to be with another part of the body of Christ, though this is home, and I was speaking with someone about that a minute ago. This is home, but it was nice to be there and encourage them and be a part of what God's doing in a different part of the world, in a place that actually, uh, I don't remember if I shared about the story that the church was kind of came out of a home fellowship that we had back in 1982. That we had a home fellowship there in, in San Diego, and, and we left to go back to England, but the home fellowship continued, and they eventually became a church, and that church is the church that uh, we were at last Sunday. Very exciting. It's like, like going full circle. And there were a few people there that were back, that were part of it from the beginning. That's exciting, too. So today... I want to move on from there, and, and today God tells them more. And we're going to look at, at uh, verses 6 through 9 today. And he, he gives some, some prophecy, and he tells them about things that are yet to come. And the Bible is, is one of these books that, that has prophecy, that has words speaking about things that will come, things that are yet to come. It's a, it's a book like no other. The prophecies, uh, you know, you can talk about, we could talk about this all day long because the prophecies just about the Messiah coming, Jesus com coming, are, and, and the prophecies that he fulfilled when he came are just astounding. There's no other book like it on the planet. Now, one thing I think we, we need to understand about prophecy is that often... Not always, but often there was a current fulfillment, right? And there was a, also a uh, future fulfillment, right? Does that make sense? 
There were things in that it was going to be fulfilled right then and there. But there are also aspects of it or even uh, things that were yet to be fulfilled that would be fulfilled, and some of them in the very end of times. And that's kind of the, the way we see with prophecy. And, and just keep that in mind when we look at some of these prophecies, because I think it, it is also true, and we see it in this passage. So uh, let's read verses 6 through 9, if you will, with me. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and... The desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace declares the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you'd open our minds, our hearts to to hear what you would say to the church, that you would say to us here in this family, that you would also speak to our individual hearts, Lord, words that that we need to hear today, that we might grow, that we might uh, be strengthened for even this week to come. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you noticed as we read there some of the things that, that we see that, that are our future and, and some of the things that apply to that situation. Again, they are rebuilding this house and, and God has pr- made these promises. He's spoken to them saying, listen, there's some stuff that's going to happen, but there is also some other stuff that's going to happen too. The first thing he talks about happening is what? He, he talks about this shaking. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I'll once more shake. He's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth, the sea, the dry land. He's going to shake all nations. There's this this shaking that's going to come. Now, we have to step back and think about this for a minute, that does God have the right to shake all things? Does God have the power to shake all things? Absolutely. It it depends on, you know, uh, on who God is. And, and just because we do or don't understand doesn't make it any different that God has the, the sovereign power to do as He wants in all of this creation. Why? Because He made it. It's all His. It's interesting in this section here uh, that we've read, before He gets to the glory, before He gets to the peace, what is there? There's shaking. Before he gets to the glory, before he gets to the peace, there's a shaking that, that takes place. I wonder, I wonder about that, and, and even in our own personal lives, sometimes there's a lot of... Sh- you know, you remember that song, those of you that are about my age? A whole lot of shaking going on. Let's all sing it together. No, let's not. I'm thirsty. But how about, how about in your own life, is there, are there times when you think, you know, I wish I just had some peace? I wish I, wish I just sensed the, the glory and the presence of God in my life, but right now things are just getting shaken up. 
Uh, we sang that song, Everything Falls. You know, everything falls apart. Your love holds me together. There's, there are times in our lives where things just got to get shaken. Sometimes they need to get shaken up. Sometimes we get just a little too comfortable, I think, and, and God has to shake us up a little bit to get our eyes back into focus onto what He wants us to see. Now, ultimately, I have to say this here, ultimately, uh, this, these verses are speaking about the return of Jesus, I believe. Ultimately, when He shakes everything up, and He shakes the heavens, He shakes the earth, He shakes everything completely up. And the reason I say that, Matthew 24, let me read it to you. It says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. That, this, is, this is the ultimate fulfillment when God brings it all together and Jesus Christ returns bodily, physically. He, set, he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives and the, the Mount of Olives are, you know, like split in two. But that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some shaking that takes place before that particular occurrence in the book of Hebrews, uh, so often, so often, the New Testament writers quote Old Testament passages, right? And we all know that. But the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12, he quotes, he's the only one who quotes these passages. Or he's the only, I should say, the only one that quotes the book of Haggai at all in Hebrews chapter 12. And it's kind of a warning passage. The, Hebrew, the book of Hebrews is full of warnings, but this is kind of a warning passage, and, and it's a warning for us too. So again, we can make application. We know that there's a day to come when he's going to shake everything up and there's going to be the return of Jesus and, and, and that. But, but even in our lives, even we can make application for us here and now, which is what he does in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read it to you. He says, see to it, that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? That's a warning. we got to pay attention, in other words. He says in verse 26, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, and this is where he quotes the book of Haggai. He says, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful now. And so worship God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and offer our God as a consuming fire. To, to have this understanding that God, there, there's a coming, coming a point where God is going to shake things up. So you and I need to be paying close attention now and be worshiping Him with reverence and awe because our God is a consuming fire. He's going to shake. I, I, 
I, I understand when he's, he says he's going to shake these things up. He says that removing of the things that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken may, may remain. And I think about that in our lives too, that, that sometimes he has to shake things up and remove things in our lives that don't belong there. Let me say that again. Sometimes he has to shake things up in our lives to remove things that don't belong there. Then back in, in uh, Haggai, look what it says there. Chapter 2, verse 7, I will shake all nations and then what? And the desired of all nations will come. What's he speaking about there? Speaking about Jesus, isn't he? The one that's needed by all nations, the one that the only full one that will fulfill of all nations, it says he will come. The desired of nations will come, and he's talking about Jesus. See, again, they're rebuilding the temple, and God is speaking to them. He says, Work. He says, be strong and work. I'm going to be with you. Don't fear. But he says, you know, there's going to be some shaking that takes place. He says, you know, that, but, but the desire of all nations will come. And again, prophecy that, that will be yet fulfilled. You know, I like it, uh, you know, well, I guess I don't really like it, where he says, in a little while, I'm going to do these things. Now, Jesus was going to come back, right? He was going to come the first time, and then he's going to come back again the second time. And it wasn't going to be just next week or anything. It was going to be a while. But because they had this hope, they had this promise, they had God's word to hold on to, hey, let's do this, let's do what we need to do, because God's got a plan, right? And, and he's going to do it in his time, in his way, but he's got a plan, so we got to keep doing what we're supposed to do. That's true of us today, too. He's going to return, and, we, and, and, and Jim prayed about it. You know, it, it, it looks like it's going to be soon, but, but in, the, in the meantime, we got to be strong and work, right? we got to do what we're supposed to do here and now. The desire of all nations will come, and, and his name is Jesus. His name is is Jesus. Jesus. You notice what he says there in the rest of that verse, and he says, And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I will fill this house with glory. Now, Jesus came to that temple. However, that temple was pretty much rebuilt by who? Anybody know? This is the second temple. He, he, he came back to rebuild it, but, but after they finished, it was pretty much rebuilt again by Herod. Right. King Herod, he wanted to do, do the Jews some favors, so he, he made it all fancy because it was fairly simple. You see, the temple that Solomon built was incredible. It was out of this world. I mean, it was, you know... Gold was everywhere. It was, you know, everything was encased in gold. I mean, it was like phenomenal. And so they came here, and again, that's what we talked about last time, you know, is it ever going to be anything like what 
you know, the first temple was. And yet, God says to them, you know what, I, I'm going to fill this house with glory. The desire of nations, I'm going to fill this house with glory. And, and I think as I, as I think about this passage, as we look at it, he talks about the desire of nations. What is going to make this house full of glory? Is it the gold? It's the presence of the Lord. It's Jesus. It's God's presence himself. That's where the glory is. And really, it's not all about the gold. It's not all about how fancy it was. See, I'm, I'm going to make some application in the end here about our own situation here. So keep some of this in mind when we're thinking about this. It wasn't about all that fancy stuff, though. That was incredible. And I think it, it was a... a it was what God asked them to do, asked Solomon to do. And David, you know, prepared for all of that to take place, right? And it was beautiful. But now they're rebuilding it and they don't, you know, we'll talk about the resources in a, sec in a second. But despite all that, God says, my glory, the glory, of, you know, I'll fill this house with glory. In verse 9, look what it says. He says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The former house being the temple that Solomon built. He says it's even going to be better. But, but what is going to make it better? It's not really what Herod could do. It really has to do with the presence of God himself. The glory of his presence. It says in John chapter 1 that Speaking about Jesus, it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his what? His glory. The glory of the one and only. The glory of the one and only God as Jesus came, his glory. He was full of the glory of God and he came from the Father full of grace and truth. So, so when he came and when he was there, a part of it. There he came to that temple that was eventually rebuilt by Herod. He came there. It wasn't what Herod had done. It wasn't what Zerubbabel had done. It was what God came and did in the form of his son, of Jesus. See, it's not how fancy a place, you know, is. There was a, a place called the Crystal Cathedral. How many of you heard of that? You know, fantastic, incredible, you know. Well, what makes the difference in a place is not the, the outward. It's what happens inside, right? It's the presence of Jesus. Thinking back, though, looking back to uh, the glory coming, the glory falling, they, they had the tabernacle in the wilderness, right? And Moses, you know, in the book of Exodus, talks about the tabernacle because the tabernacle was like the, the precursor to the temple, right? So you had the tabernacle, which was more or less a tent, right? More or less, it was a traveling temple, and they would travel with this, and it was movable, and they would tear it down and take it with them, much like our, our church was when we were, uh, for 20-plus years, we were a portable church. And we packed all that stuff up, and we put it in a yellow truck. I wonder if they had a yellow truck back then, or maybe a yellow wagon or something. But they moved that stuff around. And, but when they got that tabernacle ready, it says the cloud covered the tent of meeting. They call it the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now that's, an, that's awesome. So what was it? It was the presence, the glory and presence of God that, that came into that tabernacle and Moses couldn't even like go in. And then when the first temple was built, something similar happened. 1 Kings chapter 8 says the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. They couldn't even do what they were supposed to do. Now, you say, well, can God do something like that today? Sure he can, but and we pray that, his, that, he, that he would do what he wants to do. And, and would there be a time when, you know, the, the presence of God is... is so strong that we can't even hardly enter. We can't even hardly do what he wants. But, but, but that is up to him, right? We don't, you know, you can't like beat something like that up. Or whip that up is what I meant to say, right? I've been to a lot of churches, a lot of places, a lot, you know, seen a lot of things in my days. And, and, I, and I see this kind of thing where you try to whip up the presence of God. You know, if you just shout louder, if you just run around the room, here we go, you know. Is that going to make the presence of God come in a stronger way, stronger fashion? I think, I think what we can do is humble ourselves before the Lord. That He would be lifted up. That he would lift us up. Now, having said all that, I, I want to mention this too. Is there a temple in Jerusalem right now? No temple there now. When was it destroyed? They rebuilt it. Herod fashioned it again, and then it was destroyed. Anybody know when? 70 AD. It was completely demolished by the Romans. There is no temple now. There is, uh, there is a lot of striving and, and fighting over the land where the temple once stood. And as a matter of fact, up on what is called the Temple Mount, I should have brought some pictures, there are two, not one, but two mosques. And they fight over that land uh, continually. But the Word of God says that the temple will be rebuilt. Okay? Now, when is that going to happen? Exactly how that is going to happen? You know, God knows and God is going to do. God will always fulfill His Word and His purposes. Nothing can thwart His purposes when His time is right. So there will be a future temple, and you read passages like... Ezekiel chapter 43, where, it, you know, some call that the millennial temple, the, the temple that will be standing during this time of the millennium. And, and Jesus will physically return and, and set foot there. So there's a, there's a yet-to-come fulfillment of some of these prophecies that are here. But now, before that, do we have to wait? I think his presence is here with us even now. What did Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered, what? In his name, he's right there in their midst. He's right there with us. The glory, the presence 
of God because Jesus is here with us today, now. That's a wonderful thing. What, what, what makes this place any different than, than a building down the street? It's Jesus here with us. It's Jesus. That's what makes the difference. Let's, let's move on. Verse 8. He says, the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Kind of throws that in the middle of that there, and I, and I, and I thought, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. Maybe they were worried about how they would finance the project. I don't know. We kind of sometimes do that too, right? We worry, well, how are we going to pay for that? You know? We have, we have needs around here. You know, we... We have things that we want to do. We've got to re- repave the whole parking lot. And well, how are we ever going to do that? We don't have any money. You know, but, but the truth is, God is not broke. Right? All the silver, all the gold is His, is what He says. And it's what He told them there, too. He's not broke. Now, perhaps you've seen it, and some beg like He is you got to give because God's broke. And unless you give, God can't do anything. It's a kind of a misunderstanding of like whose money it really is, you see. But I thought it was my money. You know, we, we kind of have that attitude too. But, but whose is it? He says... The silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's all his anyways, right? It's all his anyways. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. All the world is mine and all its fullness. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. It's all his anyways. I think we, we, we need to understand, you know, just what we have, God has just given it to us. We're just like vessels that he wants to give to. And when we think it's all mine, we, you know, we get, we get kind of twisted up about this stuff. Again, we're, we, we, we got the wrong perspective and, and our, our attitude is on the stuff rather than on him and, and who he is. When David uh, was preparing to build the temple, right, God told him, you're not going to build the temple. He had it in his heart to do it. He actually put plans together he, you know, he wanted to, but God said, no, you, you can't. You're not going to be the one. Your son will build the temple. Solomon will build the temple. But, but, but that didn't stop David from preparing for the next guy to do the job. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to prepare for the next person to do the job, right? It isn't always going to be us that does the job. And David had to understand it. But, but anyways, they, 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 they kind of gathered resources and David gave freely, and, and the other people gave freely for this temple that Solomon would build. And let me read to you from 1 Chronicles 29, because it's, it's interesting to think, and again, about this whole process. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O God, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. 
Everything is yours in heaven and earth. That's everything. That's even what you have in your bank account. What? No, that's mine. What you have in your pocket right now, that's not even yours. He went on to say, Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And look what he said. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt. Give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But who am I, he said, David said. And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Let me read that last sentence again, because that is just like so crucial. I think we need to understand that for our own lives. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So we give, but, but is it, was it mine? It wasn't even mine to give. It all came from him in the first place. It all belongs to him. Wealth and honor came from him. It belongs all to him. You say, why are you talking about that? Well, because it's here. Right? It's part of the passage. Don't worry. Some of you are freaking out. He's going to take an offering now. We're not going to take an offering now. We don't even take offerings. Right? And, and, and one of the reasons we do that, you say, well, you know, and it's not true of every Calvary Chapel, just so you know. You might think, well, every, Cal our, every Calvary Chapel has a box in the back, and that's just the way they do it. No, that's just the way we do it. Some do and some don't. Many do. The church I was at last week, they took an offering. Okay, is that heretical? No, it's fine. We're not any better than them. They're not any better than us. It's, it's what our hearts are about this, you see. Whose money is it in the first place? And, it, and if God wants to do something, he says that he, he will provide for it. He will take care of it. Now, he might use you and I. We need to understand that. And maybe he has blessed you and you need to know wealth and honor come from him. And, and if he wants you to share that in some way, shape, or form, I think that the happiest thing that we can do is, is be generous and give to people and give to needs that are there. More blessed to give than to receive, right? Somebody said that. Who said that? So... Maybe we will take an offering. Let me see if I can find a basket or something, and we'll pass it around right now. And everything in your pocket right now is not yours. Let me see what I got here. I got a couple of ones. See, I got some 20s in here, a bunch, because I sold something the other day. But I could pull out these ones and feel pretty good about that. Say, why are you talking about money? You're starting to make me sweat. You're starting to make me uncomfortable. Hey, because, because, because the, the attitude we have about this stuff. Whose is it? It's not mine. He says the silver and gold 
are mine, declares the Lord. And so you and I need to be a little... Uh, does anybody need to borrow some money? Here, I got a couple of ones here. I'll help you out. This can have such a stranglehold on us. It really can. So let's be careful about that. And that, you know, that's a kind of a, a little message inside of a message that he kind of throws that in there. But, but then he gets back to verse 10 is where I want to pick it up, where, where I want to finally finish before we have communion together. The last part of verse 9, excuse me, says this. And in this place, I will grant what? Peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, uh, before we talk about the here and now, there will be a final peace to come when he comes to rule and to reign and, and, and destroys all other dominion, all other power, and that, that is coming. But even now, and even in that house that was being built then, he, he said, I'm going to grant peace in this place. His glory, his presence, and his peace in that place. You know, I, I believe that that's one of the promises that he gave to us when he gave this place to us, that he would grant peace in this place. Ten years doesn't mean we haven't had any difficult times, any difficult periods, but, but there's been a peace here in this place. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel it here. It's, it's something here. And it's his peace. His peace. I, I looked this up, and uh, the word peace there is shalom, right? You all, you all know the word shalom, right, is... Uh, the Hebrew word for peace. And when people greet each other in Israel, they say shalom. That's what they say to each other. And here we say, what up? <laughs> I think shalom is a little better, don't you? But I looked this up, and can anybody tell me where I looked it up to find the meaning of that word? The blue letter Bible, there you go. Extra donut. But I was kind of amazed, and, and you, you can look up all kinds of you know, other words here. You can look up the word for glory. That's an incredible, uh, fascinating word, the, the, the kabod, glory of God. But this word peace, I looked it up, and, and it, it, it doesn't just mean like, you know, peace and quiet is like what we think of, Right? Well, you know, if you're a parent, if I could just have some peace and quiet, and when the kids all go to bed, I can have some peace and quiet, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Do you have kids? You know. But it's more than that. It actually means wholeness or completeness. It means safety. It means health as well as this idea that we think of, this tranquility. It means that too. But, but it means, you know, that, that in this place, God is going to bring wholeness to people? 
I think so. I believe so. He wants to bring completeness to us. He, want to put, he wants to put us together. He wants to, to have us to be sound and healthy as we gather together, as he teaches us, as he speaks, so as he works on our life. You're not just here for the donuts, did you know that? Because we only have them once a week. I mean, once a month. Now, if you're only coming the first Sunday of the month, then I'll know why. If you only show up on that Sunday. But God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to heal us. He wants to work in us. And he is that work that that Philippians talked about, you know, the work that he's begun, the good work he's begun in us, he's going to bring it to completion. He's going to finish it. He's doing this work in us to make us whole. To bring peace into our lives in the midst of an insane world and maybe our own insane circumstances. That's what I want. I don't know about you. So I say, go for it, Lord. Do what you want to do to bring that peace, that healing, that wholeness, that tranquility, that health in my life. But he says to them, in this place I will grant peace. Can it be in a place? Yeah, I think so. A place that's set apart. You know, when we first moved here, and Jim will remember this, it's not that it was a bad place or anything. There was a Baptist church in here, but uh, when we first moved here, we, we got some oil, right? Remember this? We went around to every doorway and every room, and we anointed with oil and prayed over this whole building. Just that, God, you would, we set it apart for you that you would take this place and use it as you would wish. And I, I, th- I was thinking about that, you know, I think he's answered that prayer. I really do. Now, is there yet to come? There's more to come. As, 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 you know, we're speaking about prophecy and some of the things that God wants to do. There are other promises that I believe he's given to us that are yet to be fulfilled. And, and maybe after my time. I don't know. But we just give this place because it's his. It's, this isn't our place. This isn't my building. It's, this isn't even our building. It's his. It all belongs to him. Right? This is his. His glory, his presence, his peace in this place. That's incredible. I love that. I want that. I want, I want what, what he has for us here. And I think we all do. I think we all want the same thing. We want what God wants to do in this place. His peace. But as we prepare for communion, his peace comes through Jesus. We, we know that. It's, it, it, it all gets back to Jesus for the whole human race. And, and when people try to find peace with God without Jesus, it's not going to happen. Can't happen. Jesus is the way. Ephesians 2, he says, he himself is our peace. Psalm 58, God promises peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5. The peace of God, Philippians chapter 4. And Jesus said, my peace I give you. He says, in me you can have peace, I've overcome the world. 
But Isaiah chapter 53 prophesied the cross, and it says the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. How are you going to find peace? When everything falls apart, you and I need to fall at the foot of the cross. We need to come to the cross of Jesus, our Savior, and just humble ourselves. Colossians 1, verse 20, says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Where's the peace? How did, how did he bring about peace? Through the cross, that dividing point in all of history where, where Jesus came and he gave his life. He, he gave his body. He gave his blood for you and for me. In this place I'll grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I think what we're going to do now as we have communion, I want to, I want to pray. And uh, then we're going to have it at the back. And we're going to just, I want you just to take a few, a few minutes before you just rush back there. And just quiet your hearts before him and, and, and remember what, what God's glory, what God's presence, what God's peace is for you. Maybe your life is spinning out of control. Maybe it's being shaken up so badly you can't even, you know. Any of you ever get vertigo? I mean, I do, and, and you know, it's horrible. But sometimes that's what life is like. you got this, you know, life vertigo. But Jesus can, can stop the spinning, and Jesus is the one that we have to turn to. And as, as we come to the cross where, where, where the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That's where you and I can find peace. So we're going to pray and then you take a few, few moments. You go back and, and you, as you stand up, as you walk, you're, you're making a statement to the Lord that you want his peace. That you want what he has for you. And that you're a part of what he's doing here in this place. And come back to your seat and partake between you and him. And then once we're all done, then the worship team is going to come and, and lead us in one final song. So let's pray first, shall we? Our gracious God and Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. I want to thank you for these last 10 years in this place, how you have blessed us. You have just been here with us. It's, it's not been about how fancy we can make this place. It's about the people and people following after Jesus Christ and learning to walk with him and talk with him. It's what we want, Lord. It's what you give us. It's what you've planned from, from the creation of time, that we would be here this day, this, 
these 10 years, this time here in this place. Oh, you were with us in the traveling days too. I know that too. And I, I'm thankful for that too. How you protected us. You blessed us. You always provided for us. Because it's all yours. It's not ours. It's yours. So we humble ourselves before you. We look to the cross. We look to the cross where Jesus, you gave yourself completely, freely. You took the punishment that should have been mine, that I deserved. You took it in my place, that you shed your blood to make peace through the cross. As we stop and quiet our hearts before you, Lord, we, we ask you to bring us your peace, that wholeness, that healing, that soundness, that safety, and that tranquility and quiet. I pray here as well for any that have never received Jesus Christ says, your Lord and Savior, you come to the cross right now. You ask him in. You say, Jesus, please come in to my life, my heart. I've got no peace and I want that. And he will, I promise you, he will come in. And you can partake of this communion together and it will mean something to you. So, Lord, we even give these few moments now to you. We thank you, and we thank you that you're already here. You're already working. You're already blessing. You're already speaking. You're already working in our hearts and in our lives and in our midst. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.